The Dimp Digital Network presents Idle Game Chat. Hello, Apps here from the Dimp Digital Network, and welcome to Idle Game Chat and our Game of the Year ceremony for 2019. We're going to run through our nominations for 2019 and reveal the official Dimp Digital Game of the Year for that year. We have six games in total, so I've called in one of the big guns to run through each of these. He is a one-time Fantasy Gaming League champion with one successful defence and he was the runner-up in the 2019 Dimp Digital Gaming Quiz. It's one of the OGs. It's Hall. How's it going? Hello. Yeah, not bad, mate. Yeah? Yes, not too bad, thank you. How are you finding a year without being on the front line for the FGL Championship? You know, you're That's fucking the... killing me. Yeah. <laughs> hurting my soul to watch those two squabble it out to be completely honest and be resided to the st- sidelines but i've got to focus on the uh focus on the job at hand win the individuals and get back to the big leagues ready for next year how do you feel like the grand prix going you feel like you're in a good position your games that have come out have all scored pretty well so far yeah not going too shabbily it's um it's hard man like when you look at last year and i think there was only two or three games that scored above above 90 yeah. and this year already we've had six or seven in the out of the fantasy picks alone so it's been yeah. uh yeah it's been a it's been a strange one this year when my first few started rocking in at 89 i was like yeah i'll be sitting pretty and then like i say there's been some real high scorers i think we've even had a 96 this year so i think yeah. it's up in the air it'd be it'd be it'd be a good competition this year it just depends on people pulling their fingers out i mean the fact that people haven't even managed to submit 10 games in the first place is uh, <laughs> enough to make anyone cringe. And with obviously everything that's going on at the minute, I don't know what's going to be delayed and what's going to come out and what's going to happen. So no. yeah, it'll be I mean, an interesting one. You're definitely right about that. There's, I expect there will be some delays in the gaming space, whether it's hardware or definitely software because of this, because it's just some businesses have had to grind to a halt and the gaming industry is not immune to that. Um, you've got to think that a lot of the people working there, specifically say in art areas, the rigs that they've got at work to run those things and run all the, the programs they need is probably going to be quite high powered. So unless they're going to somehow set them up with a virtual desktop or whatever, I don't know. But there's, I, I can't see there not being any casualties in the game. No, it's just, it's just difficult to imagine with everything that's going on. I mean, we're talking about... You know, at least six months to eight months before we get back to normality or some form of normality. I just can't see how it's possibly gonna how it's possibly gonna pan out as normal. So, be interesting to see. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we was originally going to do this particular podcast a while back, but we uh, we ran into a bit of a delay because you decided to have a Domino's one night, and it and it sort of cost, <laughs> it cost us about four weeks of, of recording this. But the question on everyone's lips is, how was that Domino's, and was it worth it? Uh, it was it was acceptable. I'll be <laughs> honest. We had another one last yesterday. Yeah, last night. And it's a real rarity that I'm allowed at Domino's. Normally, the wife absolutely puts a stop to that almost immediately and then we ordered one last night and because of the lockdown and everything and he had about four pieces to choose from oh absolutely absolutely pathetic no stuffed crust available jesus 
Absolutely unbelievable scenes. Then they yeah. rang me and said, we haven't got any potato wedges, so we're going to have to give you an extra set of chicken kickers. And I was yeah. like, well, yeah, I'll allow that. Yeah, but... that's, not, that's not a bad exchange. I like the kickers. Yeah, better than, well, more, yeah. Wedges. Yeah, over right. wedges. And that. The wedges are good. We had a set of kickers already, so it just went double kickers. Yeah. I'll take it. I had one the other night, weekend I think it was, and... I had a stinker. I have normally one half barbecue, one half normal. Selected that. They came both as normal tomato, and I was like, right, that's annoying. Right. I like the barbecue side. as like the little treat at the end. Yeah. With me. And because I'd flapped around with the order so much, I had left it on classic crust, which I don't like. I like to have feeling crispy. So yeah. Got, so two, two whammies, and I was sitting there, you know, annoyed. And half of it was my fault, but the other half was definitely Domino's. Oh, they're catastrophic for getting our orders incorrect. I can't remember the last time we had one that was absolutely spot on. There's always something. Yeah, that's the way it is at the moment. Getting back onto the gaming scene <laughs> of things, we're uh, we're just entering the second quarter of the year and we're taking a look back at 2019. Overall, how did you find 2019 as a gaming year in terms of games and other interesting bits and pieces that may well have come out. Was it a good one, one in the middle, or a bit of a thumbs down? It's tough because, I mean, we were talking just before we started doing this podcast about, you know, the games that we played and the fact that we're in a situation now where it's rare that I will play a crap game. Yeah. Because because so many games are available. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I like physical copies, but a lot of bits and pieces that are available are on Xbox Game Pass or on games of gold or whatever um it's quite easy to to play bits and test them out even if i play them on game pass before i buy a physical copy which i get a lot of people are going to be angry about but it's what it is so the games that i played none of them were really that bad there wasn't anything that i thought car this is a real stinker i'm gonna have to put this down i played quite a lot last year more than i probably have done for the last few yeah but um nothing very very few that really blew me away mm, in terms yeah. of absolute huge triple i mean i'm expecting 2020 with some of the titles that are coming out this year to yeah. to surpass last year in terms of releases despite the fact that i thought last year wasn't too bad to be honest no yeah i, I agree with that i mean it wasn't there was it, when it came to difficult it was difficult to pick a winner really Whereas I feel like 2018, it was pretty much Red Dead or God of War seemed to be the consensus. This year, I mean, any any of the six that we've got on our nomination list, you know, they all had a decent case and no one was really head and shoulders above one another. No, there was a lot of discussion amongst the the DIMP guys as to to which six we were going to put forward as well. I mean, the list was was probably 12 or or 15 games long that we Mm -hmm. had to cut down to six. And obviously, because not everyone's played every game, yeah, it, it's quite tricky because it's a lot, a lot of opinion. But um, I'm happy with the list that we've got. Having obviously not played all of them myself, I'm still reasonably content with the with the with the six that we put together for our our short list. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's crack on to that. We'll go through each of the nominations now. I've played five out of the six of these, so I'll probably be covering off the majority of them. And you've played the one that I haven't played, so we've got coverage on all the games. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to you want to kick things off and, and pick a game to, to go through and then we'll we'll take it from there and just, just freestyle it. Yeah, well there was a few <laughs> there was a few on the list that I really wanted to play and that I was a bit gutted that I didn't get around to. The one that 
um, I want to start with purely because it's the most bizarre thing in the way. It's Kojima gone mad, isn't it? I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about Death Stranding. Yes, and the feedback that from people that have played it to people that haven't and everything it's just it's so mixed and so varied but it's got this bizarre appeal by looks things like i mean a lot of people that i spoke to that have played it have said it's just so addictive and such a such a strange concept that it just works yeah i mean from i mean i think smithy called it postman pat simulator didn't he yeah, but it just it. It was, uh, the whole thing just looked so bizarre and like the build up to it as well was so bizarre. But yet here it is on our list as one of the best games of the year. Yeah. I mean, it was a, I think I spent nearly a hundred hours in Death Stranding. That's um, crazy, man. A hundred hours. Something like, I'm sure it's, uh, it's nearly that sort of area of hours. I mean, it was, it was really a, a time sink. Um, Kojima's a mad cunt. There's no other way to describe <laughs> yeah. him. And yeah. I don't, I don't think, anyone could make kind of being a postman pat or an amazon parcel delivery simulator fun and interesting but he he did find a way and, and it's it's a hundred percent a polarizing game like some people just will not mesh with this um a hundred percent like and i'd never say to anyone who didn't like it you're an idiot because yeah. you know it is one of those games and like, to be honest when i first started it i was like jesus what what am i doing here but yeah it's funny that we're talking about this now where with all the, the COVID-19 business going on, where, <laughs> yeah. where actually the, the game itself is set around people having to self-isolate because of a catastrophic event and the people keeping the world going are the, are the delivery people and those that are yeah. handing, out, handing out orders. So it's, I don't know if Kojima had had an eye on what was going on and predicted it, but that's odd. And the, other, the other sort of strange irony is that we're playing Animal Crossing at the moment. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm loving it, but a lot of it's mm. pointless shit, really. And this is in that kind of category where if you get hooked on just doing, you know, the grindy stuff, you are going to love it. And that's, I think, what happened. I think me and Adkins were both championing this one to go on the, the shortlist because it's just, it is so different. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my, because stuff, like, to be honest, I've been, other than having seen a lot of the hype around it and having spoken to you guys a little bit about it, I don't know much about it. But in mm. terms of how did it play? Is it, is it, was it a linear type thing or are we talking full on open world? You can go off, is there side quests or equivalents or whatever? Or is it, I'd, I mean, having heard you say that you put 100 hours into it, that is such a long time. Yeah. For a, like, I mean, that's obscene. Nowadays, yeah. games, <laughs> I, I generally expect like a story mode or a campaign or something to take maximum 30 to 40 hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, big open world games to maybe take somewhere in the really, like a maximum of double that once you include doing all the side bits and pieces. And yeah. it's, you know, I get that not everyone 100% every game that they play, but... A hundred hours is an awful long time to put into anything. Yeah. I mean, what like I say, what's what is the the breakdown of it? Is it a linear game or is it full on open world? I don't know enough about it to be able to. Yeah, it, it starts off as a linear game basically, and then it cracks open into an open world. To a stage where you can, yeah, yeah, you it really opens up. It's two maps essentially, and once you get off sort of the first location or map. 
it kind of blows open a lot more and there's a lot more freedom for you to do Right, you mean there are there are side quests, so there's like there's like story based orders as they're called, which if you do that you'll follow the cutscenes, you'll get the story, and you'll get yeah. to the quote unquote the end of the game. But in amongst them there's like side deliveries which some have individual little mini stories attached to them. So yeah. there, might, there might be several stages of a story, and if you do all of them you might get a little payoff at the end. But because it's a shared world, the online aspect I think is the thing that really tipped me into wanting to have this on the list because you're in a shared world of sorts stuff that you put down other people can use and it tracks how many people use your items and give you likes and things like that and also you can take advantage of other people's handiwork um whether it's a ladder in a in a convenient place to help you over a ridge or or you know a rope to help you get up a mountain there's always it felt like they they structured it in a way that you'll always find someone else's work there to help you out of a jam right okay I got really addicted to setting up the roads. So there was there's no roads when you first get to like the second location. Mm. And in order to get around, you can walk, but it's much easier to drive around in a truck or a bike. Trouble is, if you don't have a road, they're solar powered, um, you run out of battery quite quickly. Whereas if you've got a road, it charges whilst you're on, you know, the tarmac. Yeah. So I set a, this is not even anything to do with the story, there's no reward for this, but I set a task myself of building every single road platform that I could. Jesus. And that's probably where 40 hours might well have got it. Well, I was going to say, that would be a real life sapper. It was at least half a dozen hours or to a dozen hours, though, spent doing that. So, it, you know, that, that's the sort of thing. I just got distracted on that for, for ages and then ended up finishing the game. Thing is, that's the type of thing that is just that shows it's the sign of a good game where you can sit and you can do something like that. I mean, I'm a I'm a terror for a monotonous task. I like yeah. to be to have like a mind numbing task like that, which is why I, I enjoy stuff like Minecraft or Animal Crossing, as you say, that we've got going on at the minute. But there's something addictive about things like that when you find something, especially when there is some reward that's not just for yourself. Like you've got that collaborative gameplay to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's- it's definitely definitely in that ballpark and sometimes you just don't want it's not a particularly hard game and sometimes i don't want to be running around ripping demons heads off and shoving up their ass like yeah it's kind of just nice to chill no yeah yeah, you can just sort of just just sort of mong off and sit there and play it for and you look and you're christ that's three hours gone there yeah i haven't haven't even thought about anything else so it's definitely one of those games where you can sort of just disappear into and and stay away and and just soak it all up Mm. a strong contender yeah, absolutely. A polarising contender for sure, but I would say a strong one. Yeah, so, I mean, looking at the rest of the list, another one that I really wanted to play um, but never never got round to it again was Control, yes. which I didn't know much about again. I didn't know much about it before release. I feel like it wasn't hyped like in the same way that like a Death no. Stranding or, um, you know, a lot of the other big games that came out last year were but again i mean this one whilst death stranding kind of had the like you say a polarizing opinions of one one extreme or the other this seemed to pretty much unanimously be hailed as one of the best games of the year yeah it's a it's a great new ip and remedy have kind of I think Remedy have had a bit of an up and down. Like remember we had Max Payne back in the day, but more recently Alan Wake, which again was quite polarizing. Um, 
And then what was the other one? Quantum Break, which came out a few years back on Xbox One. So they always had good ideas, but they didn't, in my view, didn't quite string it together to be like a, a really, really top, top game. Whereas yeah. Control, they've got this great new setting, a, a sort of a Metroidvania structure, good story, and the gameplay and the actual controls themselves. Again, ironically, I don't know if they made sure they, the controls were good, but they are exceptional. And really, yeah. the only real blemish on it was the performance, which blighted maybe 10% of the game. Um, and that's a console problem, I believe. If you've got a PC, you probably won't run into those. But, you know, the the, the, the exploration combined with the, the shooting and the combat and the different skills that you unlock, as well as it being set in a very unique and interesting environment, was um, was outstanding. It's just such a good, pure action game just to play. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking through now at um, some of the awards and bits and pieces that it was nominated for, and obviously the big one that we generally look at is the Game Awards, and mm. I appreciate it didn't win a lot of the awards that it went up for, but to be considered for, I mean, it was Game of the Year, Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Audio Design, Best Performance for two of the um, cast that were in it, Best Action Adventure. It looked as though it was quite similar to... Alan Wake and Quantum Break and bits and pieces, but obviously had a little bit something extra about it to, to kind of snag people's eyes for that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether... I think it's... Alan Wake, I remember researching about that, and it's, it may have been one of the reasons why I went to Xbox in the end, because I remember it being an Xbox exclusive. Um, yeah. But I remember there being a big article about how the game had gone from like a proper open-world game to a more linear sort of survivalish horror game, and that kind of yeah. blighted it. Uh, Quantum Break obviously had the baggage of, oh, you've got to watch 20 minutes of a live-action episode after each level. Which, <laughs> I don't know, why would you do that? I don't yeah, that's never going to go down So they both had this sort of baggage with them, whereas Control was a fresh new approach, and they just got, they just got the fundamentals right and offered some really interesting and compelling ways to tackle the problems they put in front of you in, in terms of puzzle-solving. And, and like, the combat's just excellent, and... With so many games that give you, you know, high amount of different attributes and powers and whatnot, normally you're fiddling around on a fucking like weapon wheel, flashing between them all and trying to get the. This is like all on the controller, face face buttons. If you want to pick something up and throw it at someone, you can do it. If you want to levitate, you can do that. It's just they've really it goes nailed. a long way. Yeah, absolutely, because it's such a frantic pace as well. The last thing you want is getting costed by the controls. Clunky controls, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's such a big thing now as well with a lot of a lot of sort of shooting games or action adventure games that it they try and overcomplicate things like you say with weapon wheels and you know when you open up a menu it goes into slow motion to give you time to do it and whatever and it's it's very difficult to get the balance right. So it's nice yeah. to hear that something's they've done so well to keep it simple, but yeah, evidently it still works. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a great action game and it's it's not as I was expecting quite a cinematic game purely based on like their previous games but it's it's more of a straight action game really when it comes to you know the, the structure itself it's not a lot of you know major cutscenes and it's you know it lets you go off and explore and you unlock abilities that you can you can now open the new door or get onto the new level and it's all you know tangled in with side side quests and, and the main campaign to run through. Yeah, it might still be one that I go back to having uh, – the problem is there's just so many games to play through, but yeah. it is still one that I would like to pick up at some point and have a little bash through because 
I mean, in terms of length, I'm guessing it's not got the hundred hours that you put into <laughs> grinding, but no, no, no. still, if it's anything like, I mean, a cutscenes aside, Quantum Break wasn't the longest game in the world. No. Um, but I'm guessing it's kind of similar, if not slightly longer, in terms of in terms of playability. Yeah, I think it's just shy of a dozen hours or so, um, which isn't too bad, I suppose. No, Especially that's... not now if I'm picking it up and it's you know reduced in price and all the rest of it for being a year yeah. old. So. And that, I haven't done everything either. I haven't done all the side quests or, you know, got a thousand G or whatever. So there's other stuff yeah. to be getting on with once the, the game's finished if you haven't done them during your first run. Um, okay. Quite cool. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, should we move on to what what's next? Which <sighs> this one is one that, I mean, I, I, I know I've said this about Control as well, but I... I this one I literally knew absolutely zero about. The only time when this even cropped up on, I think, most of our radars is when it came through on Open Critic as having one of the highest scores of the year, yeah. which is Disco Elysium. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, this, I know that only, I think only you and Chappers have played this. Maybe Dave's put a couple of hours into it, but this was a complete out of left field. I don't think anyone had it on their radars. Anyone really knew about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, if you were, uh, if you were ahead of the curve on this, but I think I'm right in saying that literally, like I say, completely out of left field and seemingly absolutely smashed it. Yeah. It it definitely wasn't one I had was counting down the days to on release. It was one of those ones that released and then got the positive reception and got traction through that way. And also through word of mouth and Mm. looking at it, I thought, you know what i'm gonna give this a go i think um i'd already previously missed out on divinity original sin 2 which was a highly critically acclaimed at the time was a pc only game and then i was like i'll wait for it to come on the consoles then i'll play it and it came in the consoles i never did because it felt old and you know i never did it so i didn't want to make the same mistake with disco elysium and you know it's a very these games it's it's an rpg you know it's an old school isometric rpg so yeah, you know, if you like your action, this is not the game for you. No, and you know, at first it kind of seemed like it was a game that is just trying to be weird for for weirdness's sake. Um, but you kind of realise that it, it, it's all tied together by this very unusual mechanic, whereby the person, the, the character you're 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 controlling has voices in his head. And each of them kind of represent different attributes of his body. So one might be intelligence, one might be empathy, one might be his physical strength. All, and yeah. about, I think it's 24 different skills and they all have a, a a certain role to play during your your course through the game. And obviously you can upgrade certain stats and ignore certain stats and that gives you different approaches to get past you know certain points in the game. And mm. it's you know like Homer Simpson where he's like arguing with his own brain. It, yeah. it's, it's that basically, but there's there's tons of them, like different parts of your, your psyche that are all going to be influencing and trying to get you because they they talk to you. It's all text based in terms of like dialogue, so there's no real yeah. voiceovers, but they'll just chip in with like funny comments or telling you what you should do next and all that. And depending on which ones you've kind of leveled up, you'll get more reliable information off those ones than perhaps you know, one that you've left in the lurch. It's very, very strange. It can, it will be overwhelming to some people, um, but because it's a slow-paced game, you, you've got plenty of time to just sort of acclimate yourself to the, the world and the game and not worry too much about steamrolling through. 
Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's, it seems like such an odd one, and I, I, you know, I knew a little bit about once obviously it was released. I did a bit of sort of a look into it, and I'm interested to see how well it. Tra- I think it's coming out on PlayStation and Xbox this year at some point, so it might be the opportunity to pick it up and give it a play. But I don't know whether that's happened because of the huge success that it's had on on Steam and Windows and all the rest of it, or whether that was always planned. But yeah, it's just. It's one of those absolutely bizarre. It kind of reminds me of uh, Heavy Rain, I think it was, where it, a lot of yeah. it seems to be. Obviously, it's it's so heavy in terms of uh, dialogue and the decision trees that you go down to make it. I imagine you could play through it four or five times and go yeah. down a different section of the character's psyche, like oh, say, yeah. 24 different inputs. And whilst it won't change the game hugely, you could certainly play it in a very, very different way each time that you go through it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way the game's kind of set up is... You, use the, you know, in most games, you kind of you, the player themselves, the, the character you're playing rather, is already got a backstory, a history, all there, and they mm. they know what they're about. And but you don't because you've only just turned the game on. Well, this the character you play is an absolute pisshead, basically. So you wake up in like a trashed hotel motel room with a massive hangover, no mm. memory of what just happened or who you are or what you do. So. You, as you go through the game, you find out more information about the character you're playing um, along with the character himself. So it's, it's nice to put you on that even keel with them for once because usually you know, they're already self-aware essentially, but you're in the same situation as the character. Yeah. And it also gives you... It makes that Having that little key there gives you much more liberation over how you level him up because you you're not tied to previous decisions that he's made or that or any sort of character that he may be trying to influence you you are essentially building him from scratch again so yeah you've, you've got an opportunity to shape him how you wish to and yeah i mean it's it's really funny the the, the two things i would say that probably let it down just a little bit and are everything is text-based in terms of dialogue like 99 percent of it and there is a lot of reading so if yeah. you're not into reading, this is not the game Avoid. for you. Um, and it's probably a little bit too long, in all honesty. Like, for what it is, I think I played 34 hours. That was the first run-through, so granted, yeah, I won't be, quite, I won't be uh... steamrolling through because I left to, I was trying to figure stuff out on the fly. But it's quite meaty, and that, that coupled, I guess, with the, the text reading was... Um, it's a lot to commit to, isn't it? Yeah, but... Certainly a game that you could pop on once a week or twice a week and just make a bit of progress and then come back to. Um, very funny, very unique, and you know a true RPG to the letters. Frankly, unbelievable that it came out from an indie studio as well to yeah, have yeah. a game of a that that kind of critical success and also a game of that length. Like a lot of, I mean, that's a like you say again, thirty odd hours is a long, it's a heavy investment. And yeah. normally a lot of the indie games that you see come out almost a sort of like borderline mobile game type, type yeah. bits and pieces. It's rare that you get something that's this involved and this big a game um, from from a, such a small developer publisher. Yeah. So fair play. Fair play to them. Yeah, they've done a, done a really good job and it, all the accolades they've got are, are well deserved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um well, other games on the list, we've got. I mean, this one was one that was fought for by uh, by Biff more than more than most, I think, which is um, Star Wars: Fallen Order. Yeah. Um, 
Now, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't played Fallen Order. I haven't played um, Battlefront, Battlefront yeah. 1 or 2. So I haven't played any of the Star Wars games for a long time. In fact, the last ones I've played were probably the Force Unleashed um, yeah. Saga, which were obviously fun for what they were. But but I, I generally avoid games that have got tie-ins to film and or television programs purely because I feel like they always are, they're almost always pumped out for the sake of they're tied into the release of a film to, to yeah. boost the, the the ticket sales of the film. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what I can't remember. Was it The Last Jedi that came out last year? Yes. Film. Yeah. Yeah. So this again, no, I was Rise worried. Rise of Skywalker. Gonna... Oh, Rise of Skywalker. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was worried again that this was going to be one of those ones that fell into that category. And as I said, having not played either of the other previous two Star Wars, the feedback from Battlefront was it feels like you're in the film in terms of the sounds and the looks and everything were yeah. great, but there wasn't loads in terms of gameplay to keep people going back. They obviously didn't have a single player campaign or anything. They were just an online brawl or a, a yeah. like a, a, you know, basically cool. a big West team deathmatch or whatever yeah. you want to call it. So this was a bit more, I was a little bit more intrigued because it has got, I'm right in saying it's got a campaign story. Yep. Um, yep. What did you? Th I mean, obviously, like I say, Biff speaks of it very highly. What's your What's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, uh, in all honesty, it's just good to have a, a Star Wars game that's not a complete sham or has some sort <laughs> yeah. of controversy attached to it. Yeah, we had, we had Battlefront One, which was multiplayer only, and people were like, oh, it's not all that. Battlefront Two, which had all the loot box shit that loot came box with it, drama. Yeah, yeah, and this was just you know A to Z action exploration bit of a blend of metroidvania a bit of a blend of dark souls um you know quite a bit of platforming it's just a nice blend of all the different elements that have probably come in the forefront in the last decade or so or the last few generations of games blended mm. into one star wars slapped all over it with you know in terms of look feel characters and whatnot and at the end of it they've produced a very competent good star wars game that doesn't do much in terms of originality but no. borrows the right elements that make this a, a good package and an overall uh, a good game to, to, to work through. And if you're a Star Wars fan, like Biff is and like many people are, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, Feel over it, yeah. Yeah, because it's not bad. It won't it won't bastardise the series. It's not going to ruin any of your favourite films. It's actually going to enhance you know your view of Star Wars because they, they do such a good job of it. Respawn, the daddies... Um, they obviously Titanfall and Titanfall 2, their last two games, and Apex, which uh, didn't make our list, but um, they've they've done a good job here. And it's the first time EA, as a publisher, has probably got a game that Star Wars fans can put their hands on and say, okay, we're happy with that, because, like I said, the last two were just murdering controversy. Yeah, so, I mean, this one, a lot of people put comparisons to the Batman games. Um, yeah. in terms of the way that they play. And the worry, again, because with stuff like this, and we've, we've talked about it on Control, about how right they got it in that game, I was worried that the controls are going to be really clunky and things like mm. wielding the lightsaber is never going to feel quite right because it's difficult to get it. And there's been a lot of games in the past that have tried different bits and pieces, even with like motion controls on the Wii. Just yeah. stuff never quite got wielding something 
quite right for me. It never really felt comfortable or proper in terms of you were either holding a button just to deflect stuff or yeah. it didn't really ever feel that interactive. But I don't know how this got on with it. But in terms of, like I say, that that general feel of how you're playing it, is it comfortable? Does it work? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I think for the uh, for general just sort of lightsaber combat and and wielding and deflection, like the basics are quite strong. Um, right. It's, it's a little... Sometimes I felt like there's a bit of hit detection that wasn't quite right. Like I got hit and I was like, did I did I really get yeah. hit there? I don't know about yeah. that, but it could be just be me being salty about it. <laughs> generally, like you, your base sort of interactions with, with the lightsaber are really good. It's a bit more slowed down, so... You won't have people like ten people all just try and melee and attack you at once. So they kind of, it's fair in the way that it gives you a little bit of leeway in that sense that you know you might have only two people attack you at once with with like clubbed weapons while someone's shooting you. So it gives you that little bit of time to manage, and, yeah, and and dictate. Whereas you'd think in real life they'd all just charge at you and you'd get overwhelmed. Yeah, and you'd get overwhelmed quickly. Yeah, yeah. But the the, the, the basics are good. I think as the game goes on and you get more powers. Which is a, this is the problem that control didn't have. It gets a little bit more complex, and you know, there's always that power that you get. And you think, oh, that's going to, or that attribute you're going to get. And you think that's, gonna, that's really going to make the difference here. And yeah. if it's a pain in the ass to execute, you just you find you never use it. You just stick yep. to what you know. And yeah, that's, yeah. That that's where I got to towards the back end of the game. I was like, right, I know this lunging attack works really well, so I'm going to stick to that. I'm going to parry when I can. I'm going to block when I can. Um, and I think as as you get more and more powerful, you don't quite feel as as in control because you, you're thinking, oh, maybe we should be using this, that, and the other. But it's still, in terms of wielding a lightsaber, what you know, yeah, yeah you, you can get away with it. I guess that's the good thing is that I didn't it didn't force. Well, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It didn't force me to really learn anything new as the game went on. But sometimes I get pissed off when games decide that you have to then start using this new tactic to get through it. Yeah, you um, get specific enemies that can only be damaged by a certain attack and stuff. And it's just yeah. like, I just want to fucking hack and slash sometimes and just go through people if it comes down to it. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah, I get but yeah, so it's a, it's a good little game full of, you know, it's, it's linear to a certain extent, but the worlds that you go and visit are quite open. So there are side quests and collectibles and bits and pieces to get. So yeah, loads of loads of stuff that you can miss, loads of stuff that you haven't got to bother with. Um, and leveling up is, is quite fun in the, in the early goings, but you, you won't need everything that you can get uh, towards the back end. You should be able to, to get through just the basics. Yeah. Disappointed it didn't have a multiplayer or felt like that's been covered by the Battlefront games, I think so. Yeah, I think it's really hard it's as well to do. Seen as like a yeah, to do like a melee focused, you know, um, online version game. or something. Yeah, I mean, For Honor is probably the only thing I can look out there and say they've done it well. Like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't particularly care for For Honor too much because multiplayer is not really my graph. But when I did play, it, I thought, to be honest, as a melee combat focus game they've done a good job so yeah. you know for me it wasn't it wasn't missed I'm, I'm always biased towards single player operations and they got that bit right any sort of addition would have been a bonus but i'm not gonna cry about it because it's a fairly oh, meaty good. campaign sort of 15 plus hours so yeah which again is you know that's kind of what you're looking for with regards to something like this like it's not one out of all of the games that are on our list, this would be the least likely one for me to go and play. I think yeah. part of that comes with the fact that I'm not 
I'm not a diehard Star Wars fan. I enjoy the films, but I'm not going to... I haven't watched the most recent ones. I'm certainly not going to go out and watch them at the cinema or anything like that. So it it doesn't pull me... (laughs) doesn't pull me in hugely in that sense. But it looks like a very palatable one of those ones that you can you can go through and I, I can definitely see the appeal like you say for those that are big star wars fans in that it's just a no-brainer in terms of you can submerge yourself in the environment and yeah. get hands-on with with being a jedi i can i yeah. can see the appeal in that essence yeah absolutely it's, it, 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 like i said if you it's a good video game outside of just having the star wars stuff but obviously if you if you love the star wars franchise then you're going to you're going to love this even more so um serviceable even on its own um, but obviously, if you're not into Star Wars, then you would still enjoy the game. It's got a bit more about it than I expected, I guess, is one of the things that I um, appreciated about it. It had a lot more solid gameplay mechanics. I was a bit like, ah, wasn't wasn't expecting that, if I'm honest. So pleased that they included it. Yeah, I suppose the way to, to think of it is if you stripped away the Star Wars title and it just became like a you know some kind of reflective sword as opposed to a lightsaber and it wasn't Im- embedded in the environment, would it still be as good a game? Is there a certain element of the? Is that does that Star Wars element take it from being a good palatable game to a great game? I think so. Yeah, I think it does help it because Star Wars is. I'm not a diehard fan. I'm much like you. I've watched the films, like even the new ones, but mm. I, I not like like Biff and Adkins who bloody love it. So, but I I think that because it's 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 a, a familiar setting with stuff that I'm familiar around just enough that it, it does add a, add a little bit to it. Um, if it had all that stripped away and was quite generic, you might say, well, it's not all that. It's just stealing ideas from other games. But Star Wars definitely does not hinder it. It certainly helps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. It's just, uh, like I say, I think just ridiculously, I'd almost be more inclined to go and play it if it didn't have the Star Wars bands to it. Yeah. But yeah. that's just me and my stupid backwards brain saying no don't touch it because it's a video game based on a based on a film but anyway yeah yeah, i think worthy of being on the list though based on the on the reviews that we had of those amongst the dimp crew that played it so another strong strong contender yeah um now the next one on the list is a remake which Mm -hmm. always starts to raise a few eyebrows and uh Yep. And make people sort of stop and question a little bit because generally I, I don't like including remakes or remasters and bits and pieces because I feel like it's a bit of a cop out. That yeah. said, from again, having spoken to you about this game in particular was a com- almost felt like a completely new game, uh, almost completely redone. And we're talking about Resident Evil 2. Yes. Highest yes. reviewed game of the year on <laughs> OpenCritic for last year. Yeah, um, which is shocking in itself. Yeah. When, like you say, we look at some of the other games that we've spoken about, and some of the ones that we haven't even got on our list of six, it's surprising to see this be the top-rated game of the year. But yeah. no one that I know who has played this has had a bad thing to say about it. No, it's. You, I'll, we'll address the remake thing first. Yeah, you're right. It is a it is a full remake. Um, and what's it? 20 years ago, the the OG one, probably longer than that. In fact, probably 25 uh, years ago. 1998. 98, yeah. So over 20 years ago. Um, the, compared to the original, it's it's unrecognisable because it doesn't doesn't share any of the 
the tank controls or the isometric view or the pre-rendered backgrounds. This is a modern version of a survival horror game that happens to be set using loosely, albeit, in the Resident 2... Or sorry, the Resident Evil 2 timeline. Um, yeah. Characters and whatnot appear, but what happens to them in some cases is very different and it doesn't play anything like the old game. It keeps the DNA, I guess, in terms of things like inventory management and puzzles and bits and pieces like that, but is all expanded to fit the modern style of gameplay from a third person and does a really good job. Does a really, really good job. There's, there's not a lot of negatives you can say about it. It it probably has the best zombies ever, uh, and that's probably not a high bar to set because all we see... <laughs> Bit of in most out games, there zombie games yeah, yeah i mean probably dead rising i feel like had decent zombies like the slow shambling ones they were decent but yeah things like day z and the world wars that <laughs> they're all just running run at you and just scrap at you these fuckers grab you they bite you they they lumber and whatnot and yeah yeah they're, they're the best zombies ever but the graphics gameplay puzzle solving length it all had everything you'd kind of want out of a game and Yes, it is a remake, and it's set in the, the on Resident Evil Two. But if you put them side by side, you would never, you wouldn't even, you would never know it's being possible. If it was a yeah. straight remaster, then that's where I think you can you can raise the the questions. But the gameplay and the structures change so much; it is a completely new game. Yeah, I mean, changing it from the fixed camera to like the over the shoulder, yeah, third person shooter. They basically, I mean, which which came in with Resi Four, yep. Um, and obviously Resi Four was absolutely incredible. One of one of my favourite games ever. Played it on yeah. multiple multiple platforms. So even on the Wii, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was great on the Wii. Really worked well with the uh, with the motion controls, which is something that you won't hear me say about many <laughs> games. Um, but yeah, just. Uh, a really good decision to do that with it like you say completely different from the original by the looks of things they've they really cleaned it up nicely and the piece around that you said about having the best zombies the great thing about this is there is such a such a diverse mix of zombies as well you get like like when you come to some of the boss fights in oh, the resident yeah, yeah. evil games it's it is fucking terrifying yeah. like they they do an excellent job of keeping it keeping it um fresh and uh and doing different pieces with it. So, I, I mean, it's hard to have a bad word to say against it, really. I haven't played it, tragically, mm. and this really is one of the ones that I, I will 100% pick up. Um, it was a really early release last year as well. Uh, oh, yeah, whilst, January, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, like end of January. And whilst yeah. a few of us kind of picked it up as being one of those ones that could do well, I don't think anyone expected it to, to smash it out of the park quite as well as it did. No. No, I but, wasn't, wasn't prepared for that, but they've done a, they've done a great job of it. And yeah. the, one of the X factors of it was Mr. X. You've got this big lumbering bastard following you around for at least half of the game. Yeah. Um, or at least the fear of him following you around for nearly all the game. So you, you're never settled to a certain extent because you think that big bastard might just steam through that wall and completely upset the, the, the apple cart. And he... He was terrifying. He's a very, you can't kill him. He's overpowered. You can stun him shortly to run away, but because it's resource management, that's all a premium. He really puts you in some tough situations. And it's having played through it twice, because there's two campaigns yeah. that are essentially the same. It's a little bit of a remix, but the, 
it's different each time because the, Mr. X doesn't seem, you know, to have a set pattern. He kind of just roars around doing what he wants and then based on if you're making a noise, he'll come find you. Yeah, whoever he comes, decides to come and spoil the day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he's a, he's, he's a great piece of AI that... Probably in some ways, they probably take a few shortcuts of it. I'm sure they do, but they, it's presented really well. And the only real thing I would say that I, I didn't like was there are two campaigns, but there's not. <laughs> like, yeah. they are the same campaign, just with a different character, slightly different dialogue choices. Um, and if you put them both together, they don't make sense in continuity because they're doing things that the other person did, if that makes sense. So they're not two separate campaigns designed to run along each other. Which no. is a bit of a disappointment because I felt they could have done that quite easily. Just put, you know, some specific areas or enemies or whatnot into each of either Claire or Leon's um, campaigns. Story but arc, they, yeah. Yeah, they couldn't quite manage to, to blend them together, which is a bit of a disappointment. No, but I mean, I mean that's a real... We're nitpicking here for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for stuff to, to pull it up on. Um yeah, I mean, like I say, it's definitely one that I'll pick up. What I was going to lead on to is the Resident Evil 3 remake yes. dropped yep. a matter of days ago now, uh, yep. um, at the time of this podcast is being recorded. Hasn't done anywhere near as well. No, it has not. And um, I, am... I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still put up a decent score, but I think based on last year, everyone was kind of expecting 90 pluses for us for it, and it's coming at just above 80. Um, Paper's first pick, what's, so he got sucked into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what were you expecting? Big things? I don't know enough about. I, I haven't looked into Resident Three that much, so I don't know. It was again the original one was Nemesis, which I think was like the isometric again. If I'm that's it, yeah, correct. Correct. I mean, have they have they done the same thing with this one? Do you know, or is it like yeah, yeah? So over shoulder. So here's here's the problem with with what they've done is they've got Resident Evil Two yet last year like a new way to play Resident Evil 2, a new way to play Resident Evil. If we think back to the the last game was Resident Evil 7, that's first person. So this is yeah. the third person version of Resident Evil. And people are like, oh yeah, it's like Resident Evil 4, but it's modernised with all this. It looks great. Fantastic. So Resident Evil 2, is they're onto a winner just getting the basics from it. Yeah. With Resident Evil 3... It does the same thing. It's, it's going to be... It's unrecognisable from the original, but... It's coming, what, what are we, 13 months, 14 months after Resident Evil 2? It's just too similar. You think it's like, hangover from, it, from it's the hang- success of... 2, yeah, it's hurting it, definitely. Yeah, definitely this is similar. what I was kind of getting onto with 2 having done quite so well and being such a breath of fresh air in terms That's of it. a classic re redone and redesigned. Is it just too, too soon after that to bring out okay. Resi 3? But... Yeah, absolutely, because the rumour is that they were developing at one point... Both of these games are being side developed by side. side by side and going to come out as a double pack. And by playing Resident Evil 3 and 2, you can absolutely see the the shared the assets and the shared parts of it, yeah. And really, it would, it would have been better off to have it come out a bit later, but I guess they had it ready. They wanted to bundle in this new multiplayer mode that they've been working on. And it's come out, you know, just over a year after two. And I think people are just a bit fatigued. That's all it is. And that, that can happen. That's, yeah. With sports games and people moan every year about there's only been tweaks and whatnot. It's almost like that in, in, in a certain way. And people have dinged the length of it. Now, whereas I can't speak to that personally because I've not finished it. Um, I'm not sure that people are sort of getting a little bit. I think people are getting a little bit 
tired of things in six, seven hours and they want things to go into like a dozen hours. So that's hurt as well. That seems to be a common um, complaint that it's a bit too short for a full price game. Yeah, you you always run the risk of that. With but then it's got the multiplayer mode. Bit again. Uh, yeah, but it's Do tough, you know I mean? isn't it? Yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, you can't keep everyone happy, can you? Because, no. again, like I mean, at the start of this podcast, I said I expect something to be 30 to 40 hours for a single player, which a lot of people yeah. consider to be far too long. Um, yeah. If I were to pick up a game that lasts me six hours, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed with it. So... You know, but it's would you it's, want to be in distress for 40 hours though? <laughs> Maybe not Resident <laughs> Evil distress because those games really do absolutely try you as yeah. hard as they can to 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 put you on edge for literally the whole time that you're playing it. I used to, yeah. I, I, I know Resi 4 inside and out, and it still makes me jump at certain parts if I were to replay yeah. it, I reckon. So, yeah. yeah, but another again, I mean. Super solid game. No complaints from anyone for it being on the list. I think it was the one that was most unanimously put forward by the people that had played it. Mm. So um, five solid picks so far, which leads us on to the last one, which yes. I kind of had to bat the corner for. Yes, um, did. Which is um, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Correct. Had you played previous Fire Emblem games before this? Very, very, very briefly. I don't... Mm. I'm trying to think how many I've owned. Maybe one. I okay. think I played others on other people's consoles, maybe, yeah. or watched other people play them around other people's houses. But mm. um, really, out of left field, I sniggered at James when he picked it on the um, <laughs> on the uh, fantasy draft. Really, yeah. just yeah, paid it no no heed whatsoever. Um, <laughs> reviewed really well, obviously, and. Yeah. I was looking for something to play on the Switch um, at the time. So I thought, yeah, sod it. I'll give it a bash and fell in love with it. Um, I mean, like I say, having not played any of the other five games, this for me was has, been, has certainly been my game of the year. Mm. Um, I sank in, I can't even remember how many hours now, but it was, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. another one of these ones that was probably similar to you with Death Stranding. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a strategy game. It's a yes. map, it's a turn based combat map style strategy RTS whatever you want to call it game. Yeah. Um, you know, with pre programmed attacks and whatever, and which is exactly right up my street. It is the type of thing yeah. that I enjoy. I like my turn based combat. I like Final Fantasy games. I like uh, Golden Sun games on on Nintendo consoles. So I knew it was going to be the type of thing that I would enjoy. But yes, it's just such a bizarre. Like you have to recruit, you basically become a professor at a university, I want to say, college slash yeah. university. Um, it's not like Hogwarts, is it? Like, yeah, it's not place. far. It's not far off in all in all seriousness. Um, and yeah, you get put in charge of one of three houses. Yeah. Um, and basically, you have to re- like you have your set starting um, students. But you can chat to other students throughout the course of the year, and it's calendar-based, and there's set battles on set days, and there's it's all kind right. of pre-planned, and you can chat to students and give them gifts and try and have meals with them to increase your relationship with them so that then they want to join your house, and you can get more and more to join you. And 
Are these students old enough to be with the professor like this? It sounds like the professor's creeping up on them. Well, I mean, I guess the <laughs> students are probably some like 16 to... I, it's difficult. It could be university. It could be college. Yeah. It's hard to tell. They're but, on the fringes. Yeah. But the game itself has got like two or three major decision points in it. Um, right. I, I think it's four total, actually, now I say that. Like four mm. major decision points. And they literally branch off in completely different directions. Um, so you go down a completely different story arc. Yes. Where you end up battling for certain sides in certain, certain, like when it all kicks off, you join different, you have a different allegiance depending on how it's gone. And there's certain students that won't come with you over to fight on that side because of their family Mm. heritage bits and pieces. So there's like, it's quite a lot to it. And it's, you might have spent all this time getting to know someone and then, well, this is the thing that killed me. Like I had, four or five students that were like my absolute bankers that I leveled yeah. up heavily because they were fucking double good. And then it came to the later on stages and they'd all fucked off and were fighting for the other side. And I was just <laughs> like, well, this is a fucking disaster. Like <laughs> me getting them to be more powerful has come back to bite me in the ass. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And it was, it's just, it's, it, there was a lot to it it was it is quite a heavy investment it's not one that you can enter into lightly and you do yeah it's great it was great for the switch i played probably the majority of it in handheld mode um yeah. i probably play my switch almost completely in handheld mode now it's very rare that i have it i have it plugged into the television um yeah. but it works really well on on both um again there's a lot of reading um yes. in in the same way as disco Elysium. there is a there is more voiceover bits and pieces but a lot of the time you'll just be trying to skip through it to get it through it quicker so it's easier to read it than it is to listen to it so yeah, yeah. but yeah i can't can't really fault it to be honest it complete the game go into new game plus mode so i'm playing for it again to do the other side of the story yeah, and make sure make the different decisions to how I did before. It's hard because I feel like the decisions that I made the first time were the ones that I wanted to make. So it's difficult to then go against <laughs> what I said first time round, you know? Because it's like, yeah. no, I don't go against that person, or no, I don't, I don't think that's the right course of action or whatever. But you've got to do it to to get every aspect of the story. But yeah. yeah, really, really good, really, really impressive it. And I know you've obviously picked it up now, and I think Chap Chappers has as well. So hopefully. Yeah you guys will get stuck into it and enjoy it just as much as I did. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something I had an eye on, but it was a bit of a cluster towards the back end of, of last year. And because I'd never played a Fire Emblem game, I was also a bit like, am I going to like this? Am I going to enjoy it? Yeah. So there's always a bit of a risk for me jumping into it. But having, you know, having played things like Disco Elysium um, and opening my eyes to different types of games, I just finished Undertale recently. No. I'm kind of getting into trying to find these these other types of games that steer away from just action or open world or whatever and, and experiencing those so definitely one for the for the list for sure and a worthy contender to be on our, our nominations list that that brings us to six nominations which are control death stranding disco disco elysium fire emblem free houses resident evil 2 and star wars jedi fallen order we are going to reveal the winner, but not before we just go through a couple of quick personal pick awards that we do every year. 
um, on some some other games. And the, the awards we're going to give out are biggest disappointment, best surprise, and the one that got away. Quite self-explanatory. The one that got away is a game that you would have liked to have played but didn't for whatever reason. Um, but let's start with biggest disappointment, which is we got rid of the wooden spoon because, like you said earlier, there's not a lot of double shit games out there to waste time with. There's too much good stuff. So at least framing it as a disappointment means that it doesn't mean it's a bad game, just that we were perhaps expecting more. Um, Mr. Hall, what have you gone for in your biggest disappointment? So... It's tough because, as we keep reiterating, we've, I've played a lot of good games this year. Um, and I've enjoyed, I think I've enjoyed pretty much everything that I've played. Certainly everything mm. that came out last year, I, I enjoyed playing. Um, so if I'm picking the one that's probably my biggest disappointment, harsh as it sounds, it's probably Pokemon Sword or, or oh. Pokemon Sword and Shield combo. At the start of the year, I would have had that as a banker as one of the six nominees, Pokemon, like the new Pokemon game on Switch. I was expecting such big things from that. I thought on the Switch, they'll expand it, they'll make it this, that and the other. But it's completely slipped my mind, as you can probably tell by my reaction just then. Yeah, so a lot of people were hoping for exactly that, you know, oh, it'd be a big open world with the power of the Switch. So it'd be like the original ones, but just in 3D and massive. And that's kind of what it is. Um, Right. The biggest... My my biggest issues are it's almost a little bit too big, um, and like the thing with the original one. Now there's so many Pokemon as well. There's I don't even know how many. Like fucking seven hundred and fifty, eight hundred and fifty, nine hundred. It could be anything. Did um, they cull some from this one? They haven't got all of them in it, which is no. a big big no no. <laughs> Especially as they haven't got the core one five one originals right yeah um i don't feel like i feel like a lot of the people that are going to be buying pokemon sword are going to be people of our age who played yeah blue red yellow silver silver yeah whatever gold sapphire like the original ones um i don't see there being loads of people who like have bought the switch as their first console for their kids or you know to early teens who are going to then look at Pokemon Sword and Shield and go, oh, I'm going to have that. Like, that's one that I've always, uh, I want to play. Yeah. And as a consequence, like a lot of the Pokemon Sword piece was nostalgia for me and not having the base 151 Pokemon. So I can't get Squirtle, for example. Yeah. just kind of kills me a little Come bit on. inside. Yeah. And like I say, the piece around it being too big, there's, there's so many of these new, and some of the new Pokemons they've got, they have got lazy with the design. There's no two ways to buy it. There is some real shit looking Pokemon out there. Um, yeah, it's just, there's like you used to be able to go onto a route and you'd catch all the Pokemon from that route and then you could move on. Or mm. you could just like, you used to get frustrated that there was trainer battles, too many trainer battles in a small space or whatever. And now it's all so far apart. It's, it's just a bit too much running around and a bit too much openness to, yeah. to really get stuck in it for me it was one that i played for quite a bit but i've not completed and i can't see myself going back to it in a massive hurry they introduced a bit of sort of uh compatibility between that let's go pikachu and let's go eevee yeah yeah and now there's a little bit of compatibility with pokemon go as well but i feel like it's just too far past the pokemon go's kind of died out a little bit now i don't think there's loads of it it's not with the hardcore fan base it did when it first came no and let's go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee were just shit. 
there's no two ways about it. They just wasn't. They just weren't. They weren't right. They tried to cut out the battling yeah. stage. Yeah, I'd degree. rather play Pokemon Shield, but it be red, like remake, remake red, basically. <clears throat> yeah, what they needed to do was they needed to get Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu, and Eevee correct because they were they were red and blue remastered. Yeah. But yeah. then they just took out the battling of wild Pokemon, so you just yeah. threw Pokeballs randomly at them, and it just yeah. killed me a little bit on the inside. So, yeah, yeah that for me is my is my disappointment of the year. And that's not to say that it's a terrible game by any stretch. I still put quite a lot of time into it, but it's not one I'm going to pick up in a hurry again and finish off, unfortunately. No, that's fair enough. And Pokemon historically has been a top game of the year and I, I feel like that sentiment of being a bit disappointment is shared across a lot of the community and yeah. there's a lot of people not happy with some of the decisions they've made and it just didn't seem to catch as you know uh, it normally catches fire every year and is, is like lots of hype and whatnot but this one definitely didn't have the same clout that, it, that, that the previous ones had which is a shame because I really wanted to dive into this and play it but because of the kind of lukewarm reception that it got off not just people like you but also the, the critics it wasn't you know it's still good like you wouldn't you wouldn't not want it on your fantasy team but i was expecting a bit more from it yeah it, as we said with so like, many games coming out so many yeah. sort of solid games coming out last year it was going to be one of those ones that was first to hit the chopping block and get cut from being played unfortunately yeah absolutely agreed so what about you what's your what was your disappointment for the year Biggest disappointment for me, I was, I was to and fro in between two of them. Out of fairness to the other game, I will not mention it because it doesn't deserve to be tarnished. Um, it can just you, you can just get away with it. But undoubtedly, it was Trials Rising. Um, oh. I fucking love Trials, or loved Trials, I should say. I really did enjoy Trials as a game from... Trials HD to Fusion to yeah. whatever. I mean, there's been about three or four of them. Yeah. So when when Trials Horizon was announced, I was like, well, that's just an easy banker, no brainer. Day one, all it is a gold edition for thirty five quid. I'll get that as well. Thinking there's nothing to worry about this game because they've never let me down before. And I did a long review with I think with Logan at some point last year with Trials Rising, and I got really pissed off with the way they changed the progression system in this. Um, it was no longer a case of getting enough medals to get the next Lots piece of content. Yeah. You had to, yeah, you had to level up your rider by basically redoing contracts and specialist bits. And I was like, this is Why not... do that. Why change? Why do that? Yeah. Why change a winning formula? Yeah. So stupid. And it really, I don't know. I just got so pissed off with the way they did that, that I was replaying and some of these contracts are fucking rock hard, but it's the, only, it's the only way to get XP. And you sort of hunt, you spend half the time hunting around on a map that is not intuitive to get around, trying to find a contract that's got worthwhile XP, but isn't going to take six hours to try and do. Like fucking <laughs> yeah. do a wheelie whilst not stopping or braking. It's like, well, hang on, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah, cut that so, out, less of that. Yeah, so and, no, it wasn't a bad game. If you love Trolls, you'll, you'll like this, but the fact that they just completely dropped the bollock on the fundamentals really got to me and disappointed me with, with trials rising and now it goes from one of those series where yep day one pre-order to, to well let's have a look and see what you're doing next time because that, that could be the end of it. it yeah no blowers shame it's a shame but that's what you get unfortunately in this life yeah 
Um, but one chance. Yeah, one chance. One 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 wrong move and you get put on the blacklist and it's not where you want to be, really. Best surprise, Mr. Hall. What are you going to surprise us with? Well, I it's mean... hard one, this, I find, because a lot of the stuff I research enough not to be surprised by it. Yeah. Being good. But agreed. Especially as we do quite a lot of looking up for the fantasy draft and bits and pieces yes. and we look into a lot of things, um, which yeah. is why it's... For me, it's. I've obviously spoken about it a lot already. As has nominated it as game of the year, but it's got to be Fire Emblem for me. Fire Emblem yeah. Three Houses is. I, uh, as I said before, I laughed at James. I didn't think anything of it. Didn't <laughs> think it was going to be one that would do well. It was really, really highly reviewed. I bought it based off of that, purely based off of the reviews that I'd seen other people make, and I loved it. Yeah. it I absolutely fell in love with it. It's been. It was easily the game that I played most last year. Um, it was on the Switch, which again, yeah, you know, I'm. Everyone knows how much of a fiend I am for achievements, and it takes a lot to pry me away from playing stuff on the Xbox for a long period of time. It'll either be because other people are playing something, or because a game is just so good, and that's yeah. exactly what this was. It took me a long, like, it was tough to put it down. Absolutely, yeah. like, I wanted to play it every day which is rare <laughs> for a game. You know, but you know what I mean? Once you get properly yeah, into yeah. something, like I just be like, and because the switch is handheld as well, it just meant that like of an evening time, I just lay in bed and play it. And then yeah. it'd be before you know it, it's like quarter past one in the morning. And I'm like, I've really got to put this down and, and get <laughs> on with it because it's, because it's calendar based and you could do so much. And there was so like every you have to go and talk to the students every day and like i say i do love them and not on his task yeah. i just be like oh, okay i'll just play like another week's worth of stuff that's it and yeah, it's like yeah. you just go around and talk to everyone and make sure i tick all the boxes and i utilize yeah. all my my points to make sure i level up correctly and oh it's just a killer but yeah loved it and i'm glad I, it was a good surprise it's it's yeah. nice to have something like that because it's been a long time since i've had a game which i really like it's normally the other way around that like, i'm desperately looking forward to a game and then it either gets it. shit reviews or it gets good <laughs> reviews and then i'm not into it at all so yeah. it's nice for it to be this way around for a change where something that i initially poo-pooed i've been dramatically wrong about yeah it's always always the best place to be for sure and rightfully earns its, its spot there as, as best surprise and also still one of a chance of winning game of the year 2019 yeah, yeah. Surprised? What's coming in? Hit me with. There's so many games to choose from. Mm. Uh, be interesting it's... to see because you you probably played as many games as I did last year in terms of 2019 releases. I think we played between you and I. I think we probably played more than anyone else out of the Dimp crew in terms of 2019 games yeah. that came out. So I'm intrigued to see what your what your surprise was and whether it was a surprise in a good way or a surprise in a shit way. No, I mean, it's a surprise in a good way. And it's also a surprise in the amount of time I spent into it. It's similar to, you know, Fire Emblem in that case, that Death Stranding cocking up 100 hours. Yeah. There's something not right about that. <laughs> but but I, but I enjoyed every second of it. And... I am I'm the biggest Metal Gear Solid fan, but I know that Kojima comes with baggage and weird stuff and that some of his stuff doesn't <coughs> work. And the worry was, okay, he's been let loose to just make 
whatever game he wants, will it actually be any good? Or will it just be a complete clusterfuck? And it's probably somewhere in between, but it's fucking compelling and it, it sucked me right in. So Death Stranding would be my, my biggest surprise because I think the the narrative was set up for it to be dog shit, ultra shit. And some people think it's that, but I'm in the other camp where I really enjoyed it. And I think the stuff they've done with the online connectivity is just fantastic um and the shared pieces and, and, and whatnot it makes you want to help this community of people you've never met and never will meet but you know yeah. you're helping real human beings yeah so it's it's very good yeah it's it's i mean it's it's just a surprise game isn't it it was so on a teeter-totter as to like there was so much hype surrounding it and generally yeah. a lot of the games that have such a huge amount of hype surrounding it i know i was talking to you last year about this pre-release and i was convinced yeah. it was it was gonna bomb and you know like you say kojima's such a mad bastard and he's you know he loves to bring in norman the need to do his bits and pieces for That's him it, as well. yeah. and it's just like it's just kojima being kojima in his own little world and it could have it was like i say it was literally on a seesaw as to it could have gone one way or the other hmm I'm yeah. glad that it went the way that it did and so many people have been satisfied with it. I can see, obviously, like you say, there are still people that think it's at the other end of the spectrum of why would you play this game, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's so unique. It's, yeah. It really is. Like, And unique doesn't mean good <clears throat> or that it's going to have mainstream appeal, but it means, for at least for a certain point, it's interesting. If you get hooked on Different, something that yeah. you perceive as unique you're in trouble and I was in trouble at the end of last year fucking st- doing what you were doing sat- sitting up till three o'clock in the morning going right yeah, where am I going to get these light. materials for the roads yeah, yeah and bizarre. Then I thought, cool absolutely oh, bizarre really? but great a great surprise to have yeah um, we'll move on to my favourite little personal award that we do and this is the one that got away so the game that you either had earmarked or wanted to play or it came out then the reviews turned you and thought I want to play that but because there's so many great games out there, you ran out of time and didn't get it. So, Hall, what is your one for the one that got away in 2019? So, there's there's quite a few. It's not. Yeah. It's it's hard to put your finger on exactly one. I mean, of the of the top six that we've already talked about, I mentioned that I still want to pick up Resi Two and play it. I'd like to play Disco Elysium. I'd like to have a bash at Death Stranding, Control. Star Wars I'm not so worried about um, but there was a lot of other big ones that came out last year like Sekiro Shadows Die to Dice yep. that I didn't get around to playing the one I think that um, that I'm, I'm most disappointed about missing out on is probably and bearing in mind this is on Game Pass and I appreciate that I could literally play it now if I wanted to <laughs> is The Outer Worlds yes um, it was one again yes. that I didn't know didn't know much about I know a few people out of the Dimp guys have played it and have got nothing yep. but good things to say about it. It reviewed reasonably well, but it just looks like the type of game that I I will be really into. It looks like yeah. my type of game again in terms of the way that it plays and the style of game. And yeah, it just yeah. I just never got around to it. Never, never gave myself the opportunity to play it. I'm still I'm still persevering through the backlog of games from last year as it is. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's tough to find time to play these games like Outer Worlds that are sort of 30 to 40 hour campaigns. Um, it's tough, tough to find somewhere to slot that into the schedule. Um, yeah. So I'm a bit gutted that I never, I, I, or so far I haven't got around to it. Maybe I will do, but it's, 
it's just with this year's game releases being as they are coming thick and fast, it's hard to hard to see myself finding time anytime soon to pick that back, pick that up and and, and chow through it. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I, I've played it and I, I've, I really like the Outer Worlds, and I can see why people would be apprehensive to play it because it kind of demands a reasonable amount of time and commitment towards yeah. it because it's because it's an open world RPG. Um, decision making you know leveling up your character all that stuff is quite a bit to it but what I will say is it's not as uh, I guess intimidating is not the right word but that's where I'm going to go down as like a fallout it's or a not mass like, effect or anything like that yeah, yeah it's not like that level it's more of a, a mass effect but a little bit smaller so it's a bit more streamlined but it still gives you those areas to go off and explore and the best thing about the game really is the writing the characters the the comedy in it and, and just how you, if you, you, the choices you can make in that game far exceed most other games in terms of choice narrative, and they've always got an answer for you. If you do something, you think I'm going to break the game, you won't. They've already thought of it, and you can do it, and there'll be a sensible outcome to it. Yeah. So it's one of those, it's one of those ones that if you play like a like a good guy, quote unquote, throughout all your games, you probably won't get the most out of this game. Like it's a, yeah, you've got to be, you've got to push the boundaries a little bit and be a little yeah, bit. be a bit weird with it. Do stuff you wouldn't normally do, and you'll be rewarded handsomely. Experiment. One yeah. Way. Yeah, I mean, the reason I played it really was because it was on Game Pass. That's that's the only reason I would have yeah. went out of my way to do it. I thought, well, it seems a bit too good to just sort of turn my nose up at it. So I yeah. went down that road. But, um, there you go. Yeah. Where, yeah. Are we at? Where are we at now? That's it, isn't it? Well, no, oh. one one that got away for you. Oh, yeah, my one. It's This is your fault because you've sold it so well not just on this podcast but in the lead up to our discussions for <coughs> nominations but fire emblem free houses has to be on my one that got away it's sitting there on that switch hard drive there's no well not a hard drive is it bloody sd card yeah expensive but... bastards but it's sitting there waiting to be played uh just you know i'm too busy shaking trees and animal crossing at the moment but yeah I, 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 I want i want to make this a project to, to do and I know it will have to be a project because it's not a slap and dash quick game it's going to require a level of commitment and you know consistency for me to to play it in its best manner but you've you've basically sold me on Fire Emblem Free Houses so that's the one that got away from me last year I, I regret missing it because I've been trying to play stuff outside my normal wheelhouse that fits right in perfectly to that sort of let's try something you're normal before. yeah yeah it's, it's a great game it is a shame that more people haven't dived into it it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea um mm. and i suppose my worry is that people play it and then go what are you talking about whole this is shit <laughs> but yeah it's i i can't can't recommend it enough to people that especially as you say in terms of fitting into that wheelhouse of stuff that you don't you wouldn't normally pick up and play i think it'll tick a lot of boxes for you and i think you'll enjoy it i think you've yeah. you are the type of person that will be able to get into it and play it and enjoy it for what it is yeah, it feels like it could be a bit of a, a gateway into more JRPGs, like yep. more traditional ones. Yep. Because um, I've not, I've, it's something I've always wanted to sort of dive into, but been a bit scared of. Whereas this feels like there's an opening there for me to start walking through and saying, "Do I would I enjoy a more in-depth version of this?" Or it's oh, a real, it's a real sorry rabbit hole to go down, though. That is the problem. Yeah, Once you start getting into that and the Final <laughs> Fantasies and stuff, you will be in all sorts of problems. Yeah. So I've got to be careful of how I do that, if, how I approach that. But Fire Emblem Freehouse is the one that got away for me. Right, we've come to the end. 
it's time to reveal the winner of our 2019 Dimp Digital Game of the Year. Hall, do you want to do the honours since we don't get you that often? You can reveal real, what, our real collective, yeah, what our collective game of the year is. Yeah. You can tell us if it's right or wrong in your mind. Well, I mean, like like we said at the beginning, I think across the six games that we've got to choose from that we've narrowed it down to, I don't think I think we could have picked any one of the six and everyone within Dimp probably would have been reasonably happy. Um it's difficult, yeah. obviously, because, as we mentioned, not everyone's played every game, and I'm the only one that's played Fire Emblem, for example, so I'm pleased that that's even made the final six. Disco yeah. Elysium was so left field that, you know, it's. I'm glad that was on the list because it's, it just looks like such a fun, different concept, and, you know, it's taking it back to a bit more old-school style of gaming. Yeah. Death Stranding, such a random Kojima head fuck <laughs> doing what he does. Control, um, again, look, looked amazing. Um, super highly acclaimed. People seem to jump into it, and I, I, no one that I know has had a bad word to say about that. Mm-hmm. S- Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order obviously has got its obvious appeal of being tied into such a popular franchise, but they seem to have finally done things right. It's been the the best yeah. i think it's fair to say it's been the best star wars game we've had probably since like Ro- the rogue squadron games of the end of before yeah exactly but borderline unanimously across most of the dim it's certainly everyone that's played it i think had this r- almost at the top of their list it's certainly within their top 3 resident mm-hmm. evil 2 has been heralded by everyone that's played it as yeah. one of the best games, if not the best game that they played last year. So yeah. I don't think it's any surprise to most of us that the game of the year for 2019 is Resident Evil 2. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it was it was highly played and it was popular amongst everyone that, that played it. And yes, it had the tag of it being a remake, but I think it done so much to overcome that tag because that's a hurdle in itself just to get people to take it seriously as a, as a game in 2019. But... They really done a great job with this, and it's 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 just something that I I, I plan. I've got it on a steel book. I'll plan to play it through again for sure. And I, I I'm looking for. I'd love for them to do the original in this style, like redo that one. I think that would work mm-hmm. really well and have like have the first trilogy on modern platforms. It's actually playable because I don't care what you say. The tank controls are shit, and <laughs> the, yeah. the pre-rendered backdrop is shit. Like. Do them in this style, and then everyone can jump in and play them and enjoy them. But Resi 2, happy to see that get our 2019 oh. Digital Game of the Year. Yeah, worthy winner. That. Yeah. Well, that's it. Thank you, Mr. Hall. We finally got our Game of the Year ceremony out, and it happens to be, I guess, the first proper episode of the new Idle Game Chat here on the Dimp Digital Network. So... Uh, you'll always have that status until we change it again because we always get bored and have to liquidate everything and change it things up yeah exactly but for for the foreseeable future you you will have that accolade of being the first proper episode of idle game chat and uh, we look forward to what 2020 will bring us i think the plan we've spoken about doing a game of the decade which will take a bit of time to deliberate and, and come out with so that'll be i guess 2010 to 2019 and something that we've all wanted to do is create some form of Dimp Digital Gaming Hall of Fame. So, yeah. 
Paul, you will be involved in both of those discussions, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um, and we'll come up with a system or something whereby we can we can present that to everyone. But thanks for giving up your time this afternoon, and and obviously thanks everyone for listening. If you're on a podcast outlet, just hit subscribe, and then you can get everything that we drop there and then. And uh, very pleased to have you on board. But nothing more for us to say apart from thanks for your time and ta-da. This was a Dimp Digital production.